can you say <laughs> Little Red Riding Hood? <laughs> Recorded live. Scuba Obsessed Weekly Podcast. We talk about all things scuba diving from cool new gear, places to dive, and scuba news. Scuba Obsessed Episode 226 is recorded live January 8th, 2015. Welcome back to Scuba Obsessed. I'm Darren Jolson coming to you from the sub-zero part of the great state of Michigan, which I think at this point is probably the whole damn state. Joining me this week, we have Mac, the dive mentor. How are you doing today, Mac? Well, I'm doing pretty good. I'm a little bit cold. I think I've off-cast all the helium I've used today. <laughs> uh, and I'm glad to be here in southwest Michigan uh, with you on the broadcast this evening. Yeah, and south, I don't know if south is any warmer than north, but I, you know, who, who knows. But also filling in this week for Jim Schultz, we have Dave Toneman. How are you doing today, Dave? Doing great and trying out my dry suit undergarments to stay warm in the house. In the house. Now, you are approximately the same latitude we are, but you're on the east side of the state. Is it any warmer? Um, No. <laughs> And for those who Not at all. may be listening at a different time, different location, wondering what we're talking about this morning, it was negative 8, and that is in Fahrenheit, and I think I calculated it to be negative 30-some in Celsius, because what oh, is it? It's Fahrenheit minus 32 times 5.5, no, 0.556. So well, it, I know we had a negative 27 wind chill factor when I was doing my yard, or I should say shoveling snow this morning. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. You're mowing your yard. <laughs> now that is party. <laughs> well, it's a new snowblower. Yeah. Now, is it? Yeah. You know, could you do? Uh, I mean, would this be a good time? Say you had the little side side discussion. Say you had a lake and you cleared all the snow off it. Could you run sonar across the ice and would it be reading the bottom? Generally, when I've seen the guys ice fishing, they cut a hole first before they load their sonar probe. Oh, okay. Yeah, I was just. I, was just... I, I think the, the, the qualities of the ice would probably block the signal uh, or at least uh, degrade it significantly. I was just dreaming, you know. Because, I mean, wouldn't that be cool to be out in Lake Michigan and you could be mowing the lawn in the middle of winter, just finding those wrecks? You would have to be a good ways offshore because you got so many uh, blocks yeah. of ice where it's crunched up against it, so you have pressure waves. Yeah. Pressure, pressure ridges. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. Okay. Well, let's go ahead and get on into the news. We're recording a little bit later tonight. Normally record at 9. We're at about 10.39. So we're going to pick up the pace a little bit as opposed to our, our normal leisurely pace. And let's see. What's the first article we have up on the docket? We have a new rule is costly for dive companies. And could you figure out where this one was? I, I My interpretation is this was Hawaii. Well, the Aloha Tours gives me a key that it would be somewhere in Hawaii, yes. Yeah. So a local dive company, uh, meaning if you're local to Hawaii, the, the State Department of Land, Manage, uh, of Land and Natural Resources costs the dive company tens of thousands by implementing prematurely and with little or no 
notification new requiring business to obtain permits for commercial shoreline activities. Mike Hopkins, president and CFO of Aloha Kaloa Tours, is running a snorkeling tour December 23rd off Lawai Beach and said that the DLNR enforcement officers shut him down. We lost a lot of business over the holidays, he said. The state didn't seem to understand that they need to communicate with people. Hopkins said he was never given a deadline to obtain the new permit. Altogether, between the back and forth and being told he couldn't, then could, then continue operation, Hopkins said his company lost four weeks worth of business, estimated at between twenty dollars and $30,000. I don't have a problem with paying fees, he said. I have a problem with them coming in and stopping us in the middle of a tour. Kevin Cram, owner of Snooba Tours of Kauai, said he was first notified a new equipment requirement in late October. He's been shut down ever since trying to sort things out, a process he describes as frustrating. As I went through the state and county people to try and figure out who I needed permission from, nobody knew anything about it. Last week, however, DLNR Division of Boating and Ocean Recreational Kauai District Manager Joseph Broden confirmed Cram in an email that he and other operations had until March 1st to obtain the permit. The permit was never required previously. After that, anyone operating without one could be cited. Cram said better approach would have been for the state to make an official announcement and set a three-month deadline for companies to comply. Since late October, Snoopy Tours lost about 15000 in business, according to Cram. The company started running tours again on Tuesday and is working to obtain the necessary permits. Hopkins say he may be the only company able to get one. We have a permit, and the rest of the gang is scrambling. DLNR spokesman Deborah Ward did not respond to the request, and this is by the GuardianIsland.com website. Chairperson William Allah, however, told Hawaii News Tour on Sunday that although there is a new rule, the department is not ready to implement the permitting process. He apologized for the confusion. Okay, doesn't this remind you of another permitting process, Mac? I I don't know. I'm, I'm just so confused here because if I and my family went out to snorkel, would I need a permit? No, I think this is the new trend of anybody who makes money doing something, the government wants their cut of it. Not that you're... Because because they're because what they're what they're probably thinking is, oh, you're going to claim you don't make any money running an operation, so you're never going to pay me. So I'm just going to charge you up front for the privilege, and then you know, kind of make you register so that I know who you are. Well, you see, an item costs two hundred per month, or three percent of a company's income. Now, how do you determine how much of the income is based on snorkeling versus scuba versus Whatever, but just 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 uh, it's, it's just three percent of everything. That's just, what I'm just saying. Right as a check. Income. How do you how do you justify that? Yeah. And is it local? One island? A whole area? I it, it'd be interesting to have more details. Yeah, but but how how obscene is it for the government to pass something and then to not have a process for giving you the permit? Uh, and, as you mentioned earlier. Yeah, you mean like in Niles where you cannot yeah. metal detect unless you have the permit, but they don't have the permit? Right, right. They've never... Yeah. And, and the funny thing about that is there's people who claim they have a permit. Well, how can or they have a permit the board, if... Yeah, yeah, on the board. Yeah. I have a permit, a wink, wink. Well, what's even more confusing is if you go to Hawaii's DLNR website and you start looking for this information about permitting and commercial activities, there's nothing any newer than 2013. So it looks like they've created a requirement without letting everybody know that it was going to be required. Yeah, but then, it, then it, you know, it sounds like there were some who knew about it or had heard about it, and then there were some who didn't. But then they had officers patrolling, asking you for where you, we need your papers. You must have your papers. Yeah. 
And so, how did they know they need papers if somebody didn't broadcast yeah. it? Yeah, could you and, imagine? You know, if they lost fifteen thousand, if they lost fifteen thousand dollars, how much are they really making snorkeling? That that seems like a yeah. lot for one <laughs> yeah, There you go. It is Hawaii, but I, what I'm what I'm thinking is, uh, you know, what does Hawaii lose? I mean, uh, if Hawaii is one of those. For many of us, it's going to be a once, maybe twice if you're lucky. If you're Bob of the Mud Club, it's a yearly thing. But for the rest of us, mere mortals, you're only going to get to Hawaii once. And then you, and Hawaii would hope that you would influence a lot of people back when you get home to go. So what's that experience like? I'm going to go on this once-in-a-lifetime trip. I'm out in a boat, and then the tour operator gets shut down. Sorry, everybody, you can't go in the water. Or you're there. And, was that when Obama was there on vacation? <laughs> yeah. we want to go there <laughs> not yet we'll, we'll 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 circle around later on but this is just a case of bad you know you know everybody's looking for tax revenue so they somehow think that the state's being screwed out of something or they're trying to fund something some way that because they cut move the money around someplace else but and shore then, diving snorkeling i mean how can that be different than shore diving teaching a scuba class it's probably not, and this—I mean, who's to say it's that not, dive just operators? Reading their, reading their website, there is scuba, snuba, snorkeling, all fall together, and you have to have a commercial permit to be an operator. Yeah. So if you're chartering, whether it's a shore-based dive or a boat dive, you must have these permits. But they're very vague about what permits you need to do what. Interesting. Yeah, I'm sure that we have not heard the last of this. Now, now, how, now, now, speaking of bad experiences, how, how about this? Could you imagine? And uh, you know, and, and Dave, you can jump right in and tell us if 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 you. I'm hoping that you wouldn't do this. So here's this uh, this lady, uh, Joe Dempster, 46, from uh, the West Midlands in the UK. She weighed 16 stone, 13 pounds. It was a holiday with her family in Cyprus, and the dive instructor said something like. You could fit a beached whale in that wetsuit. Now, I'm not thinking that's a really great dive shop sales technique. <laughs> Actually, if uh, Patty heard about that and they were a Patty instructor that goes into the quality management process, <laughs> um, and I'm not sure what 16 stone is, but but by looking at the pictures, it's a lot. Yeah. And it did her some good. Come on. It yeah, did. it did. That was the straw that broke the calories back. Yeah, and it, most it, people say that scuba is not going to help you lose weight. And evidently, it can. Yeah, she she was size twenty six, which I have no idea what sizes are, other than I had a uh, sister in law who was a size zero. If if you go down to the other pictures, you can see the orca. I mean, the lady. <laughs> the orca. I was going to say, obviously, size twenty six is a beached whale, according to the way it was described. Yeah, I mean, she she is hefty, but or uh, is was, but I mean. You know, there, there's all different body types, and I am not one to say anything. I'm I'm looking rather orca-ish myself. We can say I've got layers of brown fat, so I should be all set for ice diving. But uh, the good that came out of it is she did lose what they call six stone. Almost half her weight. Now, is that where Rolling Stones got their name or something, somewhere related to that? Uh, but, yeah, she. I mean, she looks really good now. Lost a, lost a lot of weight, so... But the side note that doesn't get presented in this article is what happened to the instructor? Yeah, I don't know. They they did momentary lapse of political correctness. So give them a break. What are you going to crucify them? Yeah, yeah. We we that we do that with everybody. 
No, I, I, I have a lot of sympathy for him. I've been in positions where I've been wanting to say something like that, and I just I well, held my tongue. Well, and then sometimes it just yeah, you know, it, it, it's the event, it's the day. Uh, maybe you're not expecting it, or maybe you had a friend who set you up somehow and said something and said, "Oh yeah, you know such and such," and then you go and you see this person, you're like, "Okay, now I get what he was getting at." Or he was just frustrated and just let it go. <laughs> and again, spur of the moment, whoops, get off his back. He made a mistake. He probably apologized, or he would have. But in the end, it wasn't a mistake. It actually benefited her significantly, so. She took it in a positive, well, she didn't take it in a positive manner. She realized that, well, maybe she does. The funny part is her mother took those pictures that are in the article. And sent it to her. Yeah. Oh, her, her mother did? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, what do we got next? By the way, you were talking about the islands up there, that that law. Mm-hmm. You can find that uh, unofficial compilation, Hawaii Administrative Rules, Title 13, Department of Land and Natural Resources, Subtitle 11, Ocean Recreational and Coastal Areas, Ocean Waters, Navigable Streams and Beaches, Ocean Recreation Management Rules and Areas, and it's freaking extensive. And it gives the areas that it's affected you're talking parasailing, windsurfing, ultralight, experimental float-equipped aircraft, tow-in surfing, you know, like where you take the uh, surfers out with your yeah. ski So tow-in surfing, it's, it's amazing what this is. And then it does have the where the fees are, and it tells certain beach, open beach. Uh-huh. I can't pronounce Hawaiian names, but yeah. there's three or four of them. Uh, they're even talking about Salt Pond Park is a restricted area. It's, it's quite interesting to look at it. Now, is that just telling you all the activities that need to be licensed? or? Oh, that was in one section that they were talking about. Uh, subchapter 2 was North Shore, Kalua, Ocean. Uh, chapter 3 was South Shore, Kalua. So looking at the subchapters, it talked about the places the supplies to and things you can't do there. Yeah, it may have been easier for them to say the places that it didn't apply. Like you could have just said, if you've got a a body of water greater than a 16-ounce cup, we own that. What it probably is, though, is if you read deeper into that stuff, they say in in the FAQs that it's not applicable to scuba and snorkel. And I'm guessing all the rest of the vendors got upset, and now it's being made to be applicable to scuba and snorkel and snuba. Well, it also says swimming zone. So I don't know what a swimming zone is, and is that also licensed? A swimming zone would be if you've got a hotel and you've got an area marked out for swimming. I would think that would count. It, it's if you're charging for it. I, I didn't look for I did not find the permit itself, but there's transfer fees involved. It's interesting. Only in America. Actually, well, I think it's everywhere else. We're just, we're just catching around, up. We're, we're getting around to adopting it. Yeah, I suppose. Value tax added. Yeah, with this, this value, you know, since gas prices are so low, have you have you heard that one now? You know, ga- ga- since gas is so low, which isn't tax a percentage? Yes, my okay. understanding. Well, think or, we have a flat rate in ours. Yeah, so well, is it per gallon? Yeah. So if I'm driving more, wouldn't they be getting more money from gas tax than they would have when it was expensive and I could only drive half as much? No, the tax didn't fixed, change. It's a fixed amount. Right, but the, but in oh, Michigan they're raising they're raising the the tax, and I think it's because dollar is different than ten percent of two dollars. 
But I think the raising the, they're raising the tax because they're saying now they need to have some money dedicated to roads coming out of the fuel taxes. <laughs> yeah. Instead of politi- political action campaigns. But that's yeah. the other podcast. Yeah, it is. Okay. Well, and then the kind of carry on with that, we have Dan Hall- Halloran is now becoming a scuba teacher after a career as a politician tanks. The former Queen City Councilman was convicted of corruption and out of a job, so he picked the next noble career, which is that of a dive instructor. Was he a lawyer also, by the way? He was a lawyer and, and was disbarred. Okay, so he's a bottom feeder. Yeah, yeah. So okay, it's appropriate. Yeah, yeah. So now, so now he's going to be a scuba instructor. Yes. After being be- indicted in this case, Mr. Halloran has continued to improve his skill set by becoming first aid CPR instructor as well as a scuba instructor, so that he may continue to follow useful career after his loss of his law license. Well, he better be ready for that pay cut. Yeah. Well, he... he <laughs> 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 yeah, there's there's certain areas I just can't even go to. Uh, they're they're trying to use it as a as a reason why he doesn't have to serve time. So is <laughs> is is being an instructor a punish a punishment? <laughs> he faces up to five years behind bars, or six years, or, or six months teach. as an instructor. <laughs> so he's going to teach it in prison, I suppose. Uh. Well. He'll only be teaching people who are doing breaking and entering, though. That way they have a new method to enter. Yeah, yeah, they can go underwater. They're saying he is a person who has dedicated his life to con- do community service and now must bear the stigma of being a convicted felon. So they're, 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 his, his attorney is using his new career as a, as a way of trying to reduce his sentencing. It's yeah. New York, so who, who knows what's going to happen. It probably work. Yeah. And uh, a little further research, it looks like what he was doing is he was found accepting money to try and get somebody on the ballot. So there was an election running, and he was trying to do some things. So, And, and then he, they're even claiming he was doing a public service because he was adding more opportunity for people to choose on the ballot. So, yeah, that he sounds like as a lawyer, he's got a good lawyer. <laughs> One would hope. And then we have divers recovering pieces of the London Bridge. And this one, amazingly enough, is not in London. It's the one I believe. It's in Arizona, Lake Havasaw. The uh, yes. the police department is uh, using their diving team in the cold waters to retrieve thousands of pounds of wreckage. There's a single vehicle accident that happened at a bridge and it damaged it. So they're trying to recover it. Uh, if my odd history were, uh, is correct, uh, that bridge was moved from from England to the U.S., uh, individually numbered bricks and reassembled. So what happened is somebody damaged it. They said the off the officers were diving in water that was 48 degrees near the surface, about 10 degrees colder below, lifting heavy granite pieces of the bridge. They used lift bags to help bring up the wreckage. And a lift bag is just a bag that you attach onto something filled with air, and it will cause it to rise. So this is not the first time the bridge has suffered damage like this. It said a car and hit the damage of of a baluster in the 80s and the 90s, there's a fatal accident in which the a truck went through the baluster into the water. I'm curious, how deep is it out there? Well, they're standing. I, I was looking at the picture, so I was curious about that. I want to say it's a it's in a man-made lake. I think that lake is like a resort lake. It's mostly like for skiing because there's a rich person who he paid for the whole bridge. Yeah. I, what what does divers in full scuba gear? What what does that mean? Why wouldn't you just say divers were on a mission? I'm just curious. I, they get paid by the word. Hey, at least oh, it didn't say oxygen. Search tank. engine optimization. Yeah, that's yeah. true. That's true. 
Yeah, they said the cost is going to be 75000 to to 100000 and take three months. I'm assuming if they use lift bags, it has to be deeper than four feet. Yeah. <laughs> probably Maybe. so. They're probably the pictures showing where their entry point was. Yeah. Well, it's That's, not everything you can dive and say you helped build London Bridge again. Yeah. That'd be cool. That is true. Wasn't there a song, London Bridge is Falling Down? Yeah. I do like the That's fact true. that they're calling it, they were diving in icy cold waters. Yeah, icy cold. <laughs> is, is, is there such a thing in Arizona? Well, it was 48. I mean, that's... Yeah. As a side note, I was listening to a report today on the... Uh, got like nine-foot waves in Lake Superior today. Uh-huh. The surface temperature is 30 degrees, meaning water surface temperature is 30 degrees. So it's the motion of the water is the only thing keeping it from freezing. Absolutely. So if they get a clear night, then it's going to, like, crystallize instantly. Well, if, it, if they get a clear night and no longer have nine-foot waves... Yeah. Yeah, no, they're already doing ice breaking. Yeah. Well, then man, I wonder if that new scuba instructor is the one who was helping Tom Cruise. Uh, Tom Cruise had apparently <laughs> taken a break from filming movies to learn how to scuba dive. Uh, he joined. Uh, he's he joined a surprise class who was taking the underwater course, and this is somewhere in the UK. What the Belfast Telegraph reported. Ireland. Yeah, I'm kind of surprised. You know, with an actor doing as many. Movies as he done, I'm surprised he wasn't already certified. I was wondering about that. I'm trying to think back of the movies, and I don't remember seeing them anything that was water related. Well, I mean, Mission Impossible. I, I, he wasn't in the uh, was it the Italian job that had some water. Plus, they use doubles all the time, and, but frequently you want to get certified just for certain scenes. Just so you, the, well, that'd have been handy before they filmed Top Gun. Yeah, well, he was a young guy at Top Gun. You can kind of understand that. I mean. You know, those low-budget films. <laughs> yeah, low-budget. I heard there's a sequel to that, by the way. Yeah. Yeah, I, I've, I've heard rumors of that, too. Probably won't be too uh, long. But, yeah, Tom Cruise. So if Tom Cruise is learning to scuba dive, you can, too. So that's what you can tell your significant other if you're trying to get him. I mean, they have a better chance of probably meeting him in the water than they do otherwise. And, again, and, that uh, would be pretty cool. I'm sorry, Mac, I couldn't hear you. I said that would still be pretty cool to say you went diving with him. Oh, yeah. Yeah, to be in a class, that'd be awesome. Get him to sign your logbook. Yeah, oh, would that be? Nobody'd believe you. And then the final article, as we're blazing through them today, we have archaeologist is uh, challenged to probe whether the wreck, the shipwreck that we talked about last week is the, the Griffin. And to refresh everybody's memory, in December, a pair of Muskegon divers said they accidentally stumbled. How do you accidentally? I mean, is that when you find a shipwreck and it's not the one you're looking for? Is that an accident? No, that's good fortune. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, because you're looking for shipwreck. So if you're looking for a shipwreck and you find a shipwreck, now it might not, it wasn't the particular one you were looking for, but yeah, you did find it. And uh, they're they're thinking based on the photos that they've shown and they had a nail that mysteriously got attached to a magnet that sank in Lake Michigan in 1697 is the, is the Griffin. Now the state of Michigan is uh, interested and they're looking into the wreck. Uh, let's see. Who do they, there's a couple good quotes in here. Uh, While you're looking for the quotes, I will say that one video mm-hmm. looked quite impressive that, and the side shot of the, of the boat looks like what we understand the original boat to look like. So yes. they've got something to hang their hat on, especially the if they did find cannon and yeah. the swords. Yeah, this is not a stick in the sand <laughs> that somebody says, oh, yeah, this is wood from the Griffin. I mean, that actual, uh, this is a great hoax if it's if it's not real. 
Because this looks, this is something. You know, I'm expecting a, we'll see a lot more next spring and summer. Oh yeah, yeah. There's, uh, and the reason why they didn't announce is they didn't want to give up the location while they were still looking for the other wreck, which I don't, I still don't think they found. Uh, and it sounds like, based on the conversations, they've been talking with Michigan for a little while now. Uh, your comment though, didn't want to give it up. They don't have to give it up. No, they don't have to. Michigan can't come force you to comply. But if you do want to register that, they require you to give them the exact location. Yeah. Well, if you if you go and and you and I and several other divers have all looked through all those laws and rules. If the they actually tell you, don't tell them. Yes. They they say if you value the condition of the wreck, don't tell anybody, including them, because once you tell somebody, they know where it's at, and people are going to dive on it and steal it blind. It's public record. Yep. They cannot say you can't have access to that. Yep. But the thing is, is if it is sitting as deep as it kind of looks, the people that are going to be diving on it really aren't going to be robbing it blind. No. It, I'm From the photos, when I saw them based on the light, my guess is that's deeper than 200 feet. It just looked, and I'm just going based on videos I've seen of other wrecks of that depth. I'm thinking like the, the Hennepin, you know, which I think is about 225. Uh, it looked like similar lighting. I mean, it could be, you know, it just depends on the time of day and the conditions when they took it, but it's probably going to be deep. They said one of the things we would be interested to us as a starting point is to know the location and be able to say, yes, we have no record of anything there. So to our knowledge, it has not been seen or recorded by someone else. This is from Anderson from his office, and that's Dean Anderson, who's the state of Michigan archaeologist. He says, I think ultimately if we're going to be able to make a serious evaluation of it, it's probably going to take a maritime archaeologist to dive in the site and look at it. I think we'll probably have that conversation, and we really want to do a serious evaluation. Which they say that, but the state doesn't have any money to do that, do they? No. They, their department, they, they can't even, uh, and it's no offense to the people working there. You know, their, their staff is about half of what it was five years ago. So they, they don't have time to go and do an archaeological study. No, we as a, as a country, we do a poor job of supporting our archaeological heritage, especially yeah. the underwater archaeology. But there's so much of it. And how do you determine, again, I want to see a cost-benefit analysis on what they do spend if the state is paying for something. Yeah. The state, well, I don't think the state should be paying for something. I think they should be empowering us to go and be those resources. Well, true, but I'd, I'd still like to see a cost-benefit analysis to see how much it really costs to do what they think they're doing that is of value. Yeah. And as a side note to this, to give a little plug to uh, Chris Cole, this wreck is actually in his newly published book on the Griffins, where he talks about all of the purported discoveries and whatnot throughout time. This wreck is actually in the last chapter. Yeah. And that book came out, uh, what, after Thanksgiving last year? Yeah. So he had he had it in the book. So if you had read the book, you'd have known about it. And what was funny is I had the book and I hadn't gotten that far when this hit the press. <laughs> That'd have been should've, like holy crap! I should have read faster. Yeah. Well, that does nope. It. You got the GoPro. GoPro. What do I got? Did I miss it? Under GoPro. The Utah Lake. Okay. So it happens again. You know, the, these memory sticks just seem to have a, a long life. And here we are. This is out of the Boston. Dot com GoPro found six months at the bottom of a Utah lake. So they said after going on a cross-country trip, 
The GoPro wound up in the bottom of Utah Lake where it sat idle for six months. This week is reunited with its owner, Dan uh, Burkowski, 23, from California, took a cross-country trip from Massachusetts to California. His three buddies in July, of course, brought his GoPro. group of friends made a stop in Niagara Falls, Chicago, Mount Rushmore, Las Vegas, the Grand Canyon more, but the stop at Lake Powell in Utah proved unfortunate for the GoPro. In the moment of just between his friends and a kayak, it went overboard and fell to the bottom of the lake. He says, I was really bummed out because, like I say, pictures from, like, I think, Chicago or something. After that, everything else was lost. Wow. I think that's a literal quote there. Uh, so the, the scuba divers, Mark and Alyssa Ollinger from Colorado, couple was diving in Lake Powell on New Year's Day where they found the GoPro 40 feet below the surface of the lake. He said the couple sometimes finds hidden treasures and they dive in the form of golf balls, broken fish poles. But they're amazed this time to see a muscle-encrusted camera. For just a few hundred pictures and videos of the four kids, I thought, we've got to find this guy. Ollinger turned and where else to her computer? She typed... 2014 cross-country road trip in the search box on YouTube. Using clues from the video and photos in the GoPro, she discovered he was the owner. I recognized his face immediately. Wow. That, that's a, it's actually pretty good that she was able to do that. On every disc I have for cameras and otherwise, I took a screenshot of my computer with my name, address, and phone number. Yeah. I, 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 I never get to, you know, that's always on every chip I have. Yeah. yeah. And, and that kind of brings me up to what is the best? I mean, that's a great way of doing it, taking the taking that and having it on there. But for dive gear, what is the best way to permanently mark it? Is it depends like a, on the paint? Depends on the gear. Okay, so I've got fins. Is that a paint pen? A paint pen, as long as you touch it up periodically, because the paint will get rubbed off, and with the flexing. Uh huh. Um, I've tried sharpie. Sharpie gets rubbed off. Well, I guess it kind of depends on the diving you're doing. I, I beat my fins up pretty hard. <laughs> Yeah. So for us in Michigan who will be doing grubbing, uh, it's going to get a little bit more uh, abusive treatment than other types of diving. Just touch it up every once in a while. Paint pens, uh, the fabric paints work good for uh, dry suits, wetsuits. Mm-hmm. But if if you lose your dry suit... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, <laughs> that, that's like if found, uh, <laughs> return just... with body... <laughs> But a lot of my stuff, I just use an engraver if it's metal. Oh, yeah. You know, yeah, that, rags, that's, a good, that's a good thing. Uh, bolt snaps, um, lights, stuff like that. I know people that engrave their phone number. Um, just do not engrave your Social Security number. <laughs> and if you find something, Drummel wheels do really good for getting rid of those. Yes, yeah, so you can grind them off. <laughs> oh, that sounds like a little bit of experience there. Did you notice they also found golf balls while finding this camera? Well, you, you can't. It's can not a real dive. That? Can you believe that golf balls? Huh? Yeah. In forty foot of water. Yeah. The, the best part about this article, though, is that she went through the effort to find the guy and actually found him, matched him up with his camera, and got it back to him. What is that? Three degrees of separation? Is that what that is, or six degrees, or something? Yeah. God, it was even closer than that. Like one. You go find him, call him up. <laughs> Here's your camera. Yeah, that's freaking amazing, though. Yeah. She has a lot, a lot of free time. I still that the guy with the ring though from what last month or the oh yeah couple that's freaking amazing. Yeah, man. that that might have been uh, more was... than one or two degrees, but yeah, they that that one well, it's enough but motivation. With social media, social yeah. media, and enough people sharing it, it uh, it works. Yeah, well, yeah we, and they're young people. Yep, yeah. and we have the consumer electronics show going on this week in Las Vegas, and I've been following some of the the things going on there in these drones. Oh my gosh. They make me want to get one. That might be on my uh, list of things to buy this year. 
I just want a friend that has one. <laughs> well, I don't have any friends who've got a drone yet. But some of these are are absolutely amazing. They had one that I saw where it will follow you. You can put a bracelet on and say you're running an ATV. It will hover and you can pre-program how, you know, what kind of shot you want to get and it will follow you the whole entire way. Until Mac hits it with his Cessna. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we've still got that dive job to recover that one drone. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, uh, if, the ice now. Yeah. It's, it's, it's probably just grabbing it for the uh, the parts. And then there was another one they were doing, and it was it was drone fighting. They would have the drones fight in this like tent with a net around it, and it was unbelievable uh, how how they how it was going. And if your drone crashed, they would stop it, and you had ninety seconds to repair the drone to get it back in the air to continue fighting. And they had people in that ninety seconds replace all four engines, props, and electronics in less than ninety seconds. We were looking at uh, another one. This was two years ago uh, for shotgunners. You know how they like to use clay pigeons? Uh-huh. They shoot at an armored drone. And the reason that it's harder is because there's a guy trying to make you miss. Yeah. Nice. Yeah, because a lot of times if you watch guys who do skeet or trap, they get into a, a, a routine or a, a flow. Oh, yeah. And, you know, they, you know they, they can see it. They anticipate where it's going to be and they fire. But... You can't lead a target if it's all of a sudden going to change direction. So yeah, you could. I could see that being tougher. I'd have to disagree. I spent enough enough years in the air defense world that uh, it, you could still hit them. You just have to have the right uh, the right projectile. The right right projectile and, and enough of them. Yeah, enough I, of them also helps. Yeah. Yeah. Most of the uh, anti aircraft stuff I ever used though was a hundred kilo explosive warhead. So anything near, I'm taking out. <laughs> So you did, now when those explosive warheads, can you dial them in at what distance they they blow up or you can do a proximity? I'm not sure what which type that uh, Dave has worked on, but generally it can be a proximity fuse. All yeah. I'll say is that there's just a lot of different capabilities that are just pretty awesome. Yeah, well, I, I know some of the Navy, some of them on the on the the vessels they have for taking out missiles. The idea is just to throw enough lead in the air that anything moving in that general direction is going to run into something. Uh, you can cheat and put a Davy Crockett in your nose, and that'll take care of it. That's, a, that's really what's called a, a near miss. You know what a Davy Crockett is, Derek? I have no idea. I'm that's afraid. A, it's a, it's a low-yield nuclear weapon <laughs> that you could launch out of a, a cannon. You can also put those in some uh, anti-aircraft birds. And even if you didn't hit them, you'd have an EMP pulse enough that will usually screw up the electronics. Yeah, it's, that's a... Uh... That's a little overkill, I'm thinking. Well, it depends, well, it depends on, what, on what you're shooting at. Yeah, and that's an incoming bomber with with well, nukes. That's not overkill. No, not 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 in that case. But I'm 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 thinking a little uh, uh, drone, and and I'm I'm not talking like the military grade drones. I'm talking the little uh, hexacopters or quadcopters. Yeah, but they're but they're getting really tempting. Some of them will have where you can mount a GoPro. Some have their own cameras in. And I was looking at video earlier today, shot from them, and it it was cinema quality that was coming out. You got that new GoPro four, it's oh. about five hundred bucks, but the uh, you're you're talking 1080p plus, and now you've got some that are 4K. Yeah, and they are freaking awesome. They got some anti shake. Uh, we were flying the other day with the Cub, got some mounted on the wing, no vibration. You could not tell the vibration from that. Yeah, I've that's. 
we're, we're going to do a, a video podcast here real soon, and I'm I'm tempted to standardize on GoPros and derivatives because I I want something where the look would be the same, but GoPro is of the quality now where it can certainly handle it. Yeah. Well, that does it for scuba in the news. Um, let's talk about any diving recently. Uh, Jim Schultz is down in Florida. He he indicated he may call in, but I'm, I'm imagining he's he's recovering from all the nice weather he's having. If you see a big picture of the state of uh, the United States and blue is anything that was freezing, I think the only spot in the continental U.S. that wasn't uh, freezing or blue was Florida. The so that, southern part, yeah. the northern part, they've got an ice warning for their crops. Oh man, yeah, I, th- I think he he was outside that frozen zone though. Uh, now, Mac, did you get any yes. diving in? Uh, I can't remember when we dove left. See, did we talk about recovering the float from the New Year's dive? That was the day after. No, I think you were going to. You were talking about you were going to go and and recover. Yeah, we got that. And uh, now you did that with a kayak. Yes. Yeah, we went with a kayak on that because it was uh, a little far offshore from where I started. But by the time I walked around the shore, it was caught in the ice. I could have taken uh, just the bottom of the wetsuit and probably got my got it back in without getting too too much. Know, too much grounded or too wet. Now, how about you, Dave? What kind of diving have you been doing? Um, I've been diving into the Sudafed. Um, oh no! Got uh, got some dives in on New Year's Day at White Star. It was uh, pretty comfortable. It was uh, actually a warm 38 degrees. Got about 45 minutes and uh, realized that I still haven't fixed the leak in my dry gloves. Oh, but uh, visibility was incredible. Now, I think. Rich shot a good video that he put out on Facebook, and uh, shortly after that, uh, my head cold kicked up. Other than teaching in the pool, I have not gotten in the water. Well, I do know we have not been back to the river, and the river I'm talking about is in Niles, Michigan. It's called the St. Joe River, for those who might be interested. And uh, that was actually a slush this week. You actually had ice flows and frozen particulate on the surface of the water. Yeah, I'm seeing uh, I'm seeing some ice and pictures people are sending me from the St. Clair River right now also. Ice just along the banks, which is enough to keep us from getting in because you can get in, but it's awfully hard to climb up onto that ice shelf to get out. Yeah, I, I saw a photo of the St. Joe Pier today, and that, was, that uh, had ice all on the pier, but the angle didn't show the water. Mac, do you know if it, it's Lake Michigan starting to freeze up yet? Just the shoreline part, you know, the shallows. Uh-huh. Uh, the ladders have got ice on them, so you're not going to do any pure dives because you can't get back out. Uh-huh. Now, do you think we are ready to dive in uh, the inland lakes now? We can get some ice dives in? I don't think we have enough yet. I think we're going to drive for one at the end of this month. Okay. And that will probably be at Lake 16 out towards Kalamazoo, Michigan. So, uh, so you don't think Singer Lake's ready for us? I, I haven't checked Singer. It wouldn't surprise me. I, it can't be real thick. You're talking about a shore dive, but uh, you know, we we want a good six or eight inches. I think before we get out there with the crowd. How how quick does it? I mean, because we've had three days now of below zero overnight, and the high during the day is in the teens. So that should be building ice the whole time. I would think so. And it's been windy. We don't have a lot of snow cover yet, which seems to cool stuff off even quicker. Uh, I, I would say snow depth in my yard is about 12 inches. And we started where you could see grass on Sunday. I'm hoping we're going to have good, clear ice. 
that means it'll be thick. We won't have that uh, that foam layer, that oh, yeah. layer in the middle, that yeah, flush in the middle. I've, I have not done an ice dive where we've had clear ice. It's always had that four inches of white, hazy stuff at the top. The slush. Yeah. I can remember as a kid when we had a spot in our backyard that would flood, and the first year we lived there, it froze, and it was beautiful ice. You could shovel it. It was like a, a Zamboni had gone and smoothed it out. And then the next four years we were there, it was rough, and you couldn't do anything with it. So you just get that it, that weather where it's perfect. Looking forward to that. Well, I'm guessing well, we're going to have enough ice before too long. I've already heard people planning oh, within yeah. the next couple of weeks. Yeah, we, we, we need to get out. We've I, I want to say a few years back we did... Singer Lake in the middle of January. Yeah. Well, last last year we were still doing ice diving up until April. I hope it isn't that way this year. No, we don't want to be doing ice diving that long, but we at least want to get an ice dive. We had everybody got hit with illness and flu and other things, and I don't think we had a healthy contingent, and it would have been a good year for it for us. Well, you know how it is, you know, with this uh, climate change that we're having we can expect to have a lot more ice, I would think. Yes, I'm experiencing that global warming right now. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's go ahead and, and uh, let everybody know how they can you know, follow us in the program. You can go to facebook.com forward slash obsessed. Get to our Facebook page. We always like likes there. Uh, you can listen to us on WRVO Radio. Fishing, hunting, boating, and the rest of the great outdoors 24-7, 365 on Reno Viola Outdoors Radio. Download the free Reno Viola's Outdoor Radio app or visit WRVORadio.com online. Uh, Friday seems to be the day where they put us in a loop and, and repeat. Uh, you also can listen to us on Stitcher Smart Radio forward slash, uh, well, I think it's Stitcher Smart Radio, and if you haven't downloaded the app, you put in the code name SCUBA. And that will get you right to the show. Uh, tune in radio. Uh, WRVO radio is also on that. So you can listen to us there. Uh, a lot of people, I think, listen to us on iTunes. Dave, how do you normally listen? Hopefully you're not going to say show notes because I'm bad at that. Well, I, I get the pre-show notes. But uh, typically I'll just download it. If if I can't get to the chat room or I'm not in a vehicle or I'm teaching and I can't call in, chat room is my preference, then call in. Then I'll just download it straight from TalkShoe. Okay, yeah, you can get to it from TalkShoe, or show 73759, and uh, we record on Thursdays. This this week we'll be started rather late, about an hour and a half late, but normally sometimes within 10 to 15 minutes of 9 p.m. we'll get to recording. If you We open up the chat room about 15 minutes before 9, and that's where we start going over show notes and doing some uh, preliminary show prep, so you get to listen to that. Uh, we do edit the show, so it does get edited a little bit from what you hear so uh we don't ha- i don't edit heavily which tends to be a running joke uh but let's go ahead and talk about some of the reviews we love those five star reviews talk shoe takes reviews there's some podcast review sites out there and there's also itunes so we've got three v- three reviews since we went to it last time the first one is great show five stars from uh, sort Saul, december 16th 2014 They said, I wrote a review back in May 2011, almost four years ago. A lot has changed in my life over that time. I moved from Hawaii to Alabama and spent six months in Cuba. One thing that has not hated, though, I still love listening to Darren and his co-host on Scuba Obsessed. The show remains funny and informative, an easy way to remain 
stoked about diving even though I can no longer dive at a moment's notice, though this through the show and Rich's Diver Sync podcast, I'm able to stay current on dive events and news events, which keeps me keeps me too busy to dive. I wish there's more out there like this, and someday I hope to dive with all of you guys. First, I need a dry suit. Hawaii and Cuba spoiled me rotten. Anyway, keep up the good work and the bad scuba jokes no matter what. Please don't give up the show. We are out here listening. Thanks, Lacey. So we certainly appreciate it, Lacey. And that's why we do the show. We do it because people like you like listening to it. And if we weren't doing the show, we would just probably hang around with each other and, and drink and talk about diving anyway. Now, we do occasionally get some critical reviews, which are fine. If you've got a comment, uh, I mean, I prefer that you send it to us at the show at Scoob Obsessed, but, you know, anyway, we can get the information we are. And this one is, uh, uh, we'll just, we, if you want to see his review, you can go to iTunes and read it. I'm not going to throw his name out there, but we'll go by the initials RT. And this one was from December 24th, 2014. I found this podcast and was initially really excited. However, as, after listening to my first episode, 224, I was disappointed. Perhaps the episode was more exciting for longtime listeners, but hosts don't make an effort to explain things to new listeners may not get initially. I was basically a recap of some scuba news, though not really about scuba and the summary of the host's weekend dives. However, I don't think I ever picked up a word in the country they were except for some river. Additionally, climate change change came up and one of the hosts is completely ignorant about the issue especially troubling for a diver who has an opportunity to actually see how climate change's direct impact on the marine and aquatic environments okay <laughs> well there so are I, some let me let me let me put a little note in here okay uh, since it's normally talking about me because i am very <laughs> yeah i have opinions on that so i i am biased i am opinionated and there is absolutely no doubt whatsoever that the environment we currently have, meaning heating of the seas, is definitely affecting marine life and the marine environment. Absolutely sure. Uh, environmental aspects from pollution based on how we farm, how we over-harvest the seas, is that a problem? Absolutely. Is there an issue with CO2 built up? To some degree, uh, depending on the experts, not oh, everybody's ignorant. So if you do look up opinions, you'll find some people disagree with some of the theories. Uh, ozone, possibly. But as I said then, I believe the major issue, because we've had this before, you've had an ice age, uh, ice-related age 500 years ago. We have been through this numerous times in the cycle of the, of the world when humans weren't here. So my issue is it's the population that is creating the issue. We are not, depending on what you look at, they say the optimum population for self-sustaining of the earth is 600 million to 2 billion. That's one estimate that I have read. You've got seven, almost 8 billion people. Is it us? Sure, we're doing something. But doesn't compare with when a volcano goes off or it changes the acidity of the lakes or rivers based on some other issue. Um, I'm sure that we're, we're not helping things a lot, but by the same token, we are not the only culprits. It, the world is changing. Take a look at the levels of the seas 100 years ago, 200 years ago. It's not the people. It's the population that's creating a lot of the issues. So anyway, that's my point. Yeah, and, and you know, I'm going to guess that it probably wasn't you. It was probably me because I think nah, you – It was me. <laughs> I'm I'm not a fan of the politicalization that has become the term climate change. Uh, 
you know, because you've got environment and you've got climate, and climate always changes. So it, it seems to be more of a marketing term to get political action, to be able to pass laws that aren't going to solve anything. Uh, climate change, the, you know, we've had ice ages. We're in a natural period of the planet warming up. So is the climate changing? Certainly it's getting warmer. And can we contribute to it? Certainly we can make it a little warmer or a little cooler, but not to a significant extent. And not that any activity we're going to do in the short term or midterm, or and when I say long term, next 50, 60 years, is going to have a significant impact. Nor can we prevent the ultimate warmest temperature that's going to happen in the next you know, however long it takes before the cycle goes back. And we will have an ice age eventually again that we will not be able to prevent. So these things are going to happen. So climate change, in my opinion, the way it's being done is really not climate change. It's the the models that are out there trying to dupe you into taking activities and behavior uh, to pass laws that line people's pockets and make them money. Uh, they they can't. They need you to do an activity they can predict so that they can profit from it. And that's really what I look at this modern climate change that comes around to it. Now yeah, we're, looking, we're looking at ten thousand years versus two hundred. What is it? Six hundred fifty million years yeah. the year. So ten thousand versus millions. Yeah. Don't tell me climate change is something we can prevent. Yeah. Ain't gonna happen. Yeah, and and you know, putting a disappointing review on a podcast isn't doing anything. If you feel that strongly about it, take some action. I am not for pollution, and when I when I say pollution, it it's it's a matter of of context. You know, when are you polluting? If you poop in a river, you're polluting. But that is a natural item. It can eventually break down and it goes away. You know, the, right now we are calling carbon dioxide a pollutant, but it's it's already present in the atmosphere. You know, you drink it in your soda. That's carbon. Uh, yeah, I, I think it's it's been greatly overhyped. I think we have a lot more local pollution that we need to be dealing with. Uh, you know, deep well injection of pollutants into our aquifer to me is a much bigger issue than climate change is ever going to be. And then even even if I believed in the climate change is how the model is now, which is has got faulty science that's been in, involved. I mean, when you manipulate numbers and you're doing when I look at uh, climate modeling, we can't predict weather. We can't predict these complex models from somebody who who does that as as a career of uh, trying to predict. Uh, numbers and theories with the the climate modeling is nowhere near has enough knowledge to be able to predict it uh and you know and and a scale of one to ten we're at a one half of one you know it's going to be hundreds of years you'll get better we'll get a better vision but we're nowhere near that now but we don't continue we shouldn't continue to pollute based on that but what it comes down to darren is the comments that I would make to somebody that would review after listening to one episode and that kind of a comment is refer to the second article tonight and things you shouldn't say sometimes. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Just, and, but I mean, I'm, there's some of the stuff I'm going to, I'm going to take this to heart. I think what we're going to do and it will do it sometime in the next, I hope to do it within the next six to eight weeks, but it may be longer is we need to have a, here's a scuba obsessed one oh one episode and at the beginning of each show, I'll say, if you're new to the show, please listen to this episode. It'd also be something that you could recommend to your friends, share with your friends to get them into it, because there is some some stuff that it might be hard to pick up. Now, 
99% of the time, I will say we're from Southwest Michigan. 224 may have been one where we didn't for whatever reason. But yeah, to, to make a judgment on, you know, we have 220 some episodes and to say, you know, all this on one, you know, yeah, we can do better. We'll, we'll try and do some explanation. Uh, and, and part of that comes down to what show this is. Uh, you know, some of the stuff that we do intentionally is what he didn't like about, which is fine. It's not your bag of tea, then, you know, that's okay. There's plenty of other podcasts out there. But uh, when we originally created uh, created the podcast, it was if you know I want something that was predictable. I wanted a podcast that's week uh, weekly. And when you look at that's week, when you look at podcasts that are audio, they're primarily for people who are in a car. It's a drive time thing. I don't picture somebody at home going, "Oh my gosh, I haven't heard the podcast." Uh, where I've heard a lot of people listen to it. And we'd love to hear, you know, send us uh, stuff at, at the show at Scuba Obsessed. Let us know how you listen to the program. But I, I've gotten some email from people who say it's when they're going on the dive trip. You know, they're going to they're gonna be in the car for 12 hours. They'll load up a bunch of podcasts and they'll listen. So really what this program is to do is to, is to give you some information. That, you know, before we did it, I didn't realize that throughout the country there's 20 or 30 articles every week that have some sort of diving element to it. And then we have some things that just interest will bring in, but usually most of them are diving related. So we have that. We have, uh, I, I think that you grow to want to listen to the personalities. You want to feel like family. And we were trying to duplicate that post-dive uh, experience where you go into the local establishment, you you, you get a, a warm beverage if it's this time of year, and uh, you, you chat about the dive, a post-dive briefing. And I just remember that those early dives, listening to all the other divers talk, I was like, you know, I could do this all the time. So that's what we're trying to do. And we think that over time, you know, the you know, listening to Dave, listening to Rich, uh, Mac, Jim, Jim, you know, other people we've had in the program, I, I did intend to do more with guests, but honestly, guests are a pain in the butt. I like the guests we've had on. I appreciate them. But it's a lot of work to go and get guests. If, if, if you're interested in helping with the podcast, we've got plenty of uh, unpaid intern opportunities and one could be guests. If you want more guests in the show, we can certainly put you on that. You know, I'd, I'd love to do some more, but uh, guests tend to not want to show up uh, do the, on the podcast. Uh, you know, they're, they're, there's a reason why they're coming on. You know, some of them may like us, but frequently somebody's selling something. Uh, let's see what else was in there. So uh, we'll we'll do we'll we'll do an improvement to make sure that we we kind of cover where we're diving. Uh, so any, anything more we need to say about that? I will probably continue to be biased and opinionated, but that's just me. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean that's that's what it is. You it's it's kind of the nature, and I I can't I don't know. And, and you do associate with people like yourself, but you know the what I would call the I don't know. It's like anything I'm going to say, I'm going to alienate audience who probably enjoy the show and then when they find out that i don't like whatever that they do like uh i i think the way to sum it up is uh kind of how I, I i i like to think i'm raising my kids which is i'm not telling them what they should think i'm trying to to train them so that they can think they can come up with their own ideas their own impression they need to be challenging what people tell them don't believe something because it's written down you, when you look at people who write and produce media and podcasts, you know, a lot of these people are young because they don't, there's no money in it. There's the, the right now the media is going through a, a big change. And a lot of your authors are really young people who don't have careers yet. So I, I, yeah, yeah. 
investigate. And then uh, okay. another, pardon me? Like, like you're saying there for a second, if, when we say opinionated, I don't mean that in a negative aspect. Yeah. I, I do river diving a lot, and I do other kind of diving a lot, and that's my forte. But I can get with Dave. He does river diving too. Many items we do similar, but he has his preferred way to do something sometime. I have mine. Doesn't make him wrong. It's what works for you. Right. And, and, you, and you, you cut people slack from that because that's the way they do it. It's mm-hmm. not necessarily, I mean, if it's blatantly unsafe, I will have comments, but it's not. It's just a different way of doing the same thing. And the thing is, it's how we learn and we improve ourselves is by talking to people and listening to different ways to do things and different thoughts, and not just diving, but across the board of life. There's, I've, I've learned a lot by talking to Mac about river diving. Things he's brought up, like, wow, I wish I'd have thought of that. I mean, just different concepts. I mean, you just have to have thick skin in life and, and an open mind and yeah. take information in, process it, make a decision, and move on. Yeah. So even though you didn't like the podcast, I still wouldn't mind doing a dive. <laughs> we'll, we'll well, get... The key item, though, is it's still good to have the comments because it makes us more aware of a few items we need, we need to clarify and then make sure that when we are talking, we are, you know, people know that we are not preaching, we're not instructors uh-huh. in this particular case, and it's an opinion. Yeah. And well, everybody, I think, is entitled to a position, no matter how wrong the other guy is. Yeah, and one thing I did hope to do that we haven't done enough is I want to do more travel. I thought by this point of the podcast we'd be traveling, you know, Europe, Red Sea, all over. It hasn't happened. Somebody with a big bucket of well, money. Well, you're coming to... <laughs> You're coming to this side of the state to do the uh, shipwreck festival in March, right? Uh, we're going to have to. That's travel. Yeah, yeah. Well, if if you uh, if if you look, I mean, the great thing about it is the, is the people we've met through the podcast. I tell my wife, <laughs> I can go anywhere in the world, and and there's going to be a listener who's going to be able to point me to a location where we can do a dive. So met a lot of great people, and we'll continue to do more shows as long as. Uh, you're listening. And then we have another review, which it says still the best. And this is from December 30th, 2014, Mark P five years getting better all the time. And and thank you, Mark. Uh, I, th- I think that might be his, his second review, but we'll, we'll take it. It looks good. Uh, if you haven't uh, given us a five-star review, please do so. If you have any comments again, it's the show at scuba com. And I think that does it for the review part. Is it that time? I think it is getting that time. I thought we were going to make oh. this quick, and uh, we're we're gonna. I think we're going to make the the hour point. Uh, let's see here if I can find my show notes. Now this is another one. Uh, Rod from down where it's warmer this time of year has been sending us jokes, and he said this is the first one for 2015. And there were names. Uh, I'm not sure if this was the the way the joke was originally, uh, but there are names that have been added in, and I almost. Gosh, they're, they're, it's kind of a racy thing. So I'm thinking it can't be the names of the people that we know with these names. It's got to be somebody else. So we've got deniability in here. And since I didn't put the names in, I, I mean, I, I have to assume that. So are, are, are you good with that or should I change the names? Change the names is something you can pronounce. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know that that's possible. <laughs> George, Dave. Wow. So, so you're saying you don't want me to leave the incriminating Mac and Jim names in there? Uh, just Americanize it. Americanizing it. So let's see here. We'll call, was it uh, Larry and Daryl? 
and Mo, give her your best shot. Oh, I think I'm going to mess this one up. So I'd just roll with it with the names the way they were, they already sent it to you. Yeah. Everybody's got thick skin, broad shoulders. Yeah, I, I, I think so. I think I'm I'm just going to mess it otherwise. So here we, here we go. And, and remember, it's, it's, it must be different people. Mac and Jim decided to get away from Darren in the cold north for a while and did a quick holiday checking out some wrecks in Key West. Mac having flow down there with taking the scene back from St. Petersburg Airport. They hire a car and start overheating near Arcadia. They pull up the farmhouse and ask if they could stay for the night. The lady house explained that she was recently widowed and uh, tongues would wag if it got out that the attractive widow like herself had seen had let two men stay in the house. Mac assured her, oh... We'll stay in the barn and be gone before daylight, ma'am. No one will know we've even been here. Reluctantly, she agrees. Nine months later, Jim is shocked to receive a letter from an attorney in Florida. It takes him a while to work out what's going on, but eventually remembers the attractive widow in the night at the farmhouse. He arranges an urgent meeting with Mac the next day, and once Max arrives, he says, Do you remember our trip to Florida and the widow we stayed with the night? Oh, I certainly do, says Mac, his face flushing. He didn't happen to sneak up the house in the middle of the night for a visit to the window. A window. Widow. Well, yes, I did, actually, replies Mac, embarrassed to have been found out. You didn't happen to give her my name instead of your own. Mac's face rep- rapidly turns beetroot, and he replied, beet red, beetroot. What is beetroot? Turned beetroot, and he replied, well, it was in the heat of passion, and yes, I did. I'm really sorry. Why did you ask? Oh, she just died and left me everything. That's all. <laughs> Don't say I never did anything for you. <laughs> Not the punchline I was expecting. No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was a little quiet there for a minute. Uh, you know, I actually think we've done a version of this one before, but I had to, we had to read it anyway. So thanks, Rod, for, for sending it to us. And I, I know you're in a, a, a warmer place than we are. So <laughs> that sounds bad. Looks like that. A lot <laughs> yeah. So until next time, go out there and get wet. And stay safe. <laughs>